Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Are you in fashion? fashion. Did you see what she's wearing? The Tom's shoes. I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, But I was told I have a backstage pass. You will need to get the right pass to get behind me. Um, Like, I need to go. Code red, code red, code red. We have a situation. I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. There are things that come and go, especially in the realm of fashion. And if you've been listening to the series, then you're aware that fashion can mean a lot of different things to different people. About a year ago, I recall scrolling through Facebook and this advert appears for a shoe made of wool. It says, a remarkable shoe that's soft, lightweight, breathable and fits your every move. So in this final episode of this season's My Heels Are Killing Me, I talked to the US-based Kiwi who launched Allbirds, which has a distinctly Kiwi tone. But first, what was the last item of clothing you bought and why? I'm wearing it right now. It's a blue cardigan. Everyone makes fun of me. I tend to wear them all the time. It's navy blue. I've got them in a range of different variations, uh, merino wool, and um, I really like it and it's pretty uh, unremarkable. Um, (laughs) This is San Francisco-based Tim Brown, the man with the vision. How many pairs of shoes do you currently own? Not that many. I'm a little bit of a minimalist by design. Funny that I find myself a part of the footwear industry. It's certainly uh, not something that I ever sort of dreamed of doing or imagined that I would be a part of. We're basically some variation of a white pair of all-bird shoes. I, mean, I think I'm starting to paint a picture of a uniform and it's probably not too far off the truth. Uh, it's pretty simple and it doesn't have logos and it's, it's kind of uh, pretty clean. Did you catch that? It doesn't have logos. Now on close inspection, the Allbirds runner has a tiny detail on the tongue. It kind of looks like the S taken from the Allbirds logo. The other immediate reaction that I have looking at the Allbirds runner is that it reminds me very much of a minimalistic Nike shoe. Now, prior to launching Allbirds, Tim was actually a World Cup soccer player for New Zealand and... actually got sponsored by Nike and used to get lots of their shoes and lots of their gear and it was all kind of covered in logos and marks and, and the infamous swoosh and part of the initial insights that sort of led me to, to maybe kick this off was that there was an opportunity for a brand and, and, and footwear that, that went in the opposite direction that was all about minimalism and unbranded sort of simplicity and, and that's what we've tried to execute. The brand quickly gained momentum and Time magazine also touted the Allbird Runner as the most comfortable shoe in the world. I imagine it's like walking on clouds. It's knitted for us um, in Italy. It's normally made into fine suits and it's just a remarkable fibre that wicks away moisture, regulates temperature, does all these amazing things. And really that's something that we've tried to leverage in in the product. 
The key ingredient in the shoe is a superfine merino from New Zealand's South Island. It's incredibly lightweight, or so I'm told. What about the name Allbirds? Does that have any reference to your New Zealand background and nature here? It's a nod to New Zealand and, and where I'm from and where this idea was conceived and based on the idea that when people first came to New Zealand there was, there was nothing there but birds. It was all birds. It's also a little bit of a nod to, to our idea of, of, of treading lightly in the, in the way that products are made and how we, we treat the environment. That's the thing that's driving us and it's, it's worked out well for us. Would you say that the New Zealand component of that marketing, has that been vital or is it the tech aspect? How is this product doing in Asia, which is a growing market? We sell in America and New Zealand only uh, Why is online. That? It's it's all about focus uh, and delivering. Hopefully, what we we think is a great customer experience, and we're able to do that. You know, in, in two markets, New Zealand was really important because it's where I'm from. It felt like you know a responsibility we had to to sell the product there. We're going to look at some other markets over time, most probably next year. But at the moment, there is more than big enough to sort of service our growth. Is Asia too challenging for you at the moment? Yeah, it just you want to do this really well, you know, and to do it really well is about great customer service and making products that are meaningful and well executed. And part of our success is we've said no to 99% of things. We've said no to a bigger range of shoes. We've said no to too many colors. We've said no to partnerships and no to different markets and no to retail opportunities And so that we can we can focus on doing a few things really, really well. In, in terms of the New Zealandness, I, I would say that's in tone of the brand. I don't think it's about New Zealand maps and photos of sheep per se, um, so, so much as it is about a, you know, a, a tone that we as Kiwis have that I'm very proud of and I thought you know, was a hugely powerful thing to infuse in a brand. And that, that I think is a sense of humor and it's about being a little weird and about not taking yourself too seriously and about being humble. And- I mean, you have mentioned sheep on your website, like from the land of how many million <laughs> sheep or something like that, which is why I kind of brought it up. But yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't think of us as a footwear brand. and I don't think of us as a wool brand. You know, we're in the business of making stuff better and it just so happens at the moment we, we sell two shoes made out of wool, but I think the vision's larger. But what I can't get my head around is what it means to operate in a consumer environment that's based on more is more. In the footwear space, there are even people, they're called sneakerheads, who buy hundreds of pairs of sneakers and they never actually wear them. That's right, they're just collecting them for the sake of it. Now, they probably can't do that with all birds because the product is limited, the colourway is limited, and they all look exactly the same. So what are the benefits or opportunities that it gives a business? And is it harder to do less rather than more? It's been hugely beneficial, and it gives you the opportunity to be focused, I think. Um, we really challenged ourselves to make one sneaker, one shoe, and that's what our first product, the Wool Runner, does. And, and even now, as, as a you know two-year-old company that's got now sort of 75 people, uh, give or take, working f- for it. Uh, we still only sell two shoes, so very much about reduction in a category that we think is quite crowded. And, you know, the idea of actually going in the opposite direction and simplifying everything and challenging yourself to just make one, you know, what's the right amount of nothing? You know, the irony about this is this type of reductive process is it's actually incredibly hard, much, much harder to execute on. And certainly in the case of the footwear category, was able to cut through by whispering when everyone else was screaming. It's almost counterintuitive to what the industry demands. So fast turnaround, you know, more products every kind of season, you know, that that is the way that, for instance, the fashion industry operates. Do you see yourself as being part of the broader fashion industry? Like, who are you catering for? It's a really interesting question. We're not a fashion brand. 
you know, the way I, I certainly is we evaluated the footwear category, I think broadly speaking, there's probably three buckets. There's performance, which is, you know, Nike and go to the Olympics and win a gold medal. And, you know, the way we thought about that was that there was a, some brands just doing great things, making great products, and there was no need there. And then the fashion industry, which is the other end of the spectrum, which was about high price points and creating and that was fascinating and inspiring. And that wasn't us either. And sandwiched in, in the middle of, of fashion and performance was this casual category. And it was where a lot of the fashion brands and a lot of the performance brands sold a bunch of product. But it was, it was where they sold it almost as an afterthought. The casual category was made up of these kind of classic verticals like sneakers and boat shoes and slip-ons and um, all these kind of really old-fashioned categories where the Nikes of this world sold a bunch of their really average product their afterthought. It wasn't the shoes that LeBron James was wearing in the NBA. It was the kind of the, the cheap sneakers made in Vietnam, made out of shitty materials. And there was an opportunity there to, to create a brand that was, was executing more meaningfully, executing with less. So that's sort of how, how this whole thing started. Executing with less. Which begs the question, does the shoe do less too? Will it survive everyday wear? And can you actually run in it? We make a, a shoe called the Wool Runner that's not for running and under a brand called Wallbirds that has nothing to do with birds uh, selling a you know material made from sheep. So it's all very confusing and a little bit weird and doesn't make a ton of sense and I kind of like it that way. I mean, obviously now there is that intersection of sort of fashion, sports and lifestyle. Do you think that that's kind of helped you too or is that, has it been timely? I, I think there's this horrible word that gets bandied about or thrown around called athleisure something that gives me the creeps and I, I think does a disservice to actually something that I think is, is something far larger. I feel like it's a fundamental shift in the way that we work and that we play and the idea of you know, your parents going to a job that they stayed at for 20 years and working nine to five and, um, and having their weekends free and like that whole construct is being blown up and fashion has responded and, and we've, you know, we felt like apparel had done that you know, really well. And it's now acceptable to wear, you know, leggings to work and all that sort of stuff that we know. And the footwear had kind of failed to keep up and was somehow sort of almost antiquated in the product that it was offering and that there was an opportunity there. But, you know, I I think just to kind of answer your previous question, I think there is a fashionable component to what we do. Whenever you wear something, there is a, that says something about you. and, And that is for me, the definition of fashion. We have been about reducing rather than creating, and I think that's the difference between you know fashion and style in, in our particular instance. And we are about a solution that's rooted in a consumer problem, and we're about uh, an aesthetic that's really born in, in different experiences rather than coming from the garment and fashion industry. So I, I just think there's a nuance there, but a, a, diff- a difference. Lots of concepts kind of going on in the brand because while you are stripping away, you're still adding another product to the market, though. And even like the investment in the technology, the research that's gone into creating this thing, if you're talking about extraction and stripping away. No no question. I, I think if you're asking, does the world need another shoe company? Yep, that's totally what I'm asking. Then does the world need another shoe? I would say absolutely. I feel really? like, it. yeah, I feel like it's an $80 billion industry in America. It's something like... Um, and I don't have the stats offhand in New Zealand, but it'll be smaller. But uh, I think Americans buy seven pairs of shoes a year on average. The vast majority of that is made out of of, of synthetic materials and leathers that are, are, are pretty horrible for the environment. So the whole core of our premise and, and, and what's driving us as a, as a business is the belief that um, shoes and, and maybe more broadly things can be made in a better way and that uh, sustainability shouldn't just be a concept, it should be a way of, of operating that's non-negotiable. 
and truly an opportunity to, 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 to rethink the way that shoes are made. And it's a lofty goal and we've got a long way to go. But if there's one thing I'm sure about is that there is a need for, for what we're trying to do. I believe in that wholeheartedly. So do you feel like you're there to meet demand, but you're meeting it in a different way? Because I guess consumers, apparently they're not buying less. They're still continuing to buy, but you're just offering a, an alternative. I'll borrow... Um, a chapter out of the founder of Patagonia, which is an outdoor uh, apparel, one of the true sort of brands that really tried to tackle the the idea of sustainability. The best thing to do in this, you know, when it, when it comes to sort of sustainable consumerism, is not buy anything, not make anything, and that's just unrealistic as a as a concept. The assumption is that you know people need footwear and they want to be comfortable, and you're going to make a product to solve this functional problem, and you're going to do it with beautiful design. And you're going to not offer a whole range of shoes. You're going to offer one, one solution. And then you're going to make that thing, that product, in the best way, hand on heart, that you possibly can do. But to make a minimalistic shoe with high-tech components and textiles that haven't been used in a shoe before requires plenty of trials and lots of research. All birds had been on Tim's mind for at least five years. He also worked with a renewables expert, Joey Zwillinger, to bring it to life. You know, countless iterations and conversations and learnings and I like to think of it as this little pet project that wouldn't go away. I ran it through business school and it turned into a little bit more of an idea. And in 2014, I launched it on Kickstarter and found Joey, my my, my now wife, is, is best friends with his wife. And um, that, that led us to San Francisco and we decided to, to launch Allbirds, you know, uh, have, have managed to make a, a success of, of that. How many trials or shoes did you have to make to get to what is, in your eyes, probably or in the eyes of Time magazine, the perfect shoe. I don't think it's the perfect shoe. I, I think um, since we launched it in March of last year, we've made something like 27 changes. Um, we have a head of design who's a Kiwi, a guy called Jamie McClellan, a genius who is constantly tweaking and, and iterating and improving, and it's based on our business model and our ability to listen to our customers, and I think that's probably a separate thing. But I don't have a specific number except to say that it took many, many years. Making a shoe is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Uh, making it out of a material that had never been used in footwear before makes it even harder, and then also trying to make the shoe as sustainably as possible with materials that often the footwear industry kind of ignores uh, is, is another level of difficulty again. And when all birds employ a new team member, Tim tends to pull out images of earlier iterations, which he says... They're embarrassing. It took us a long way to get whipped where we wanted to go. Um, so making stuff, and anyone who's listening or who's ever tried to build a business making stuff uh, will, will, will know just how hard it is. And are these going to last longer than your average pair of Nike shoes? <laughs> It's, it's such a tricky question. They're designed to be comfortable in the same way that a cashmere jumper is designed to be comfortable. Wool isn't something that lasts forever. Note, if you buy a pair of Allbirds shoes, handle with care. They're not exactly all-terrain, is what I think Tim's trying to say. And while the wool runner is called a runner, it's not actually made for running, which in many ways blends itself more to the fashion category rather than sports, or maybe it just sits in that cloudy space in between. That word that Tim hates, athleisure, FYI, that word makes me cringe too. It needs to be um, protected, but you know these shoes should last for years if treated properly. The Allbirds label operates from the US, so could it have been equally as successful had he launched it in New Zealand? There is an openness to ideas and entrepreneurship in this part of the world that's like nothing else I'd ever experienced. There's an ability to raise money, which was kind of a foreign concept to me, to actually build and pursue an idea um, 
was something that I couldn't have accessed. I'm, I'm quite certain because I, I tried in New Zealand and then access to, you know, such a large market has allowed us to sort of grow our business, um, access to talent and uh, all the, um, the ecosystem of services that support, you know, our business at the moment. I doubt that that could have been achieved in New Zealand. Or do you think it might have just taken longer? I don't think it would have worked. There's a critical mass of of people and things you need to build the type of business that we're building. And it, I don't want to say it would have been impossible. It would have been very, very hard. That being said, there's, you know, there's brands that have done it and huge uh, fans of Icebreaker and others that have proven that you can build uh, you know, kind of global consumer products brands from New Zealand. The company has garnered an equity of $27.5 million. So for a company that's really selling a very limited product, what are the pressures then to kind of keep it moving especially if you're putting all of these very conscious limitations on how you're going to push the brand or what you want to create as well? Good question. Very good question. I think about it every day. <laughs> uh, certainly in San Francisco, but I mean, more so in New Zealand, I think the this idea of you see entrepreneurship almost as this sort of popular thing and you see these astronomical amounts of money being raised and, and it looks like a party and it's it's not. It's about raising money to, to build a big business, and that comes with a, an enormous amount of expectation and, and pressure. And we're having a lot of fun, but w- what we're doing is difficult and challenging, and there's lots of things that uh, we need to be doing better. So, yeah, it's tough. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying myself a ton, but it's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. Okay, and just lastly, you've just released a kid's line. So what is the next step for all birds? Uh, yeah, the small birds thing was, was fun. It was great. The name was too good to pass up. You know, beyond that, we've got some really exciting stuff planned and I'm not going to tell you anything about it. (laughs) So um, 2018 is going to be a big year for us. We'll be looking at new materials and a bunch of other things that I think will expand the scope of that. But, you know, we think there's a huge opportunity in footwear. Um, We think there's a lot of other materials out there that have been ignored. We'd love the idea that our brand and Allbirds can be a vehicle to bring them to market in a thoughtful way and watch this space. (laughs) Thank you very much, Tim. (laughs) Great to chat. Really enjoyed it. That was Tim Brown, founder of Allbirds. And this final episode of My Heels Are Killing Me was engineered by Phil Bench, presented and produced by me, Sonia Sly. Now, if you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch up via the RNZ series and podcast page or by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for something new, you might like to try The Lost, a series about New Zealand's missing people. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.